I want to talk about two of the most important and yet confusing commodities in the Christian life. These two commodities are essential, that you understand them, that you embrace them, that you live within them, but they're hard and they're very confusing. And before I share these two different commodities from church terms, and you'll recognize the church terms, let me describe them and define them from an outside-the-church perspective. So maybe you're new to church, maybe this is brand new to you, you've been coming for three or four months and you're trying to connect dots and you're still struggling. I'm trying to help all of us and I think this will help me as well. So let let me start by saying two commodities that we all want. We all want these, we need these, we do better with both of these. One of those is to be accepted. We all really want to be accepted. We want a little bit of slack. We want a break. We want a little bit of of freedom. We, we, we don't want to have relationships where they're so tight and there's no margin, there's no room for error. Marriages that have no margin don't work out too well. Raising kids, if parents have such high expectations, I'm not saying you shouldn't have high expectations, but if you have too high of expectations and there's never any slack, there will be bitterness. Those children will eventually can't wait to have a ticket out of there and they can't wait to not be around you. It's that way with friendships. If you have friendships where there's no slack, no margin, you can't ever make a mistake, those friendships don't really last all all that long. So all of us want, you know, a little bit of a break. Give me a break from time to time. It was a year ago in the morning. I was at our Starbucks. I was getting my venti unsweet green tea, and I was in a hurry. I thought it was my cup, and I took this lady's cup, and she went postal on me right there in Starbucks. (laughs) And I'm apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm in a hurry. She's in a hurry. You know, I eventually said to her, I kept apologizing. She just got mad and left. I said, I'll buy you tea for life. Just give me a break, you know. So we we all want a little bit of acceptance in life, right? We all want that. We We all need that. The other commodity, the other part that we all want is we want some strength. We want some energy. We want some vitality. I love Psalm 115, verse 14, which says, Lord, increase me more and more, me and my children. Lord, increase me more and more, me and my children. Psalm 115, verse 14. It's a great psalm. All of us want more. We want a little bit bigger territory. We want you to expand our opportunities. And so both of these commodities are within us. In the church, we call them mercy and grace. And in church world, we lump these two terms together, oh yeah, Lord, give us mercy and grace, as if they're in the same basket. They are not. They are on two different icebergs. And so I want to talk about mercy, and I want to talk about grace, and hopefully we can all embrace these two terms today and be able to go forward. In April, we talked about this verse, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. How in the world do I receive mercy? And how how can I find grace 
Is it hidden? Is it not available? How do I receive something and how do I find something? So back in April, I actually did this verse on the big screen. Yes, I was out mahi fishing in the Keys. Yes, I was gone. I got a text that Sunday afternoon from a friend of mine. He said, dude, that was awesome. You were preaching and you were fishing at the same time. He said, he said great time management. And Mark can vouch for that. We slayed him that weekend. Anyway, he's in the room right now. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace. Well, let's start with mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is God withholding what you do deserve. I've heard people say, I just, I just want God to give me what I deserve. No, you really don't. You, you really don't want to go down that lane with the Heavenly Father. You don't want what you deserve. And so mercy is God is merciful, and he is going to not give you what you deserve. He's going to withhold from you what you really have earned, what you really deserve. And then we talk about grace, and we come to grace, and we say grace is a gift that God gives to you that you haven't earned. And I like that. And that's cool, but that only covers a part of grace. And I want to talk about the two sides, the two coins of grace today, because it's the second side of grace that I've never heard anybody talk about before that I think will flat change your life. If you can embrace the second side of grace, we want to embrace both, but we embrace the second side, it will forever change the course of your life. Maurice was across the street and two houses over when we lived in Bartlett, Memphis, Tennessee. And we loved Maurice and Kim and, and their two, two boys. And one Sunday, they just showed up at church. It was awesome. They just showed up, and I'm like whispering to Danita, hey, Maurice is here. And she's like, hey, I saw Kim. And we're like, you know, we've been praying for it for three years, but still, you know, you're shocked when somebody shows up like that, Right. And, and so Maurice is coming, you know, and Maurice is a big, big civil engineer, big man's man, dually truck, diesel truck, hunter, bow hunter, deer hunter, fisherman, all that kind of got stuff. And, and so I, I kept trying to have conversations with Maurice about Jesus. What had anything to do with it? Just kind of, kind of shut me down. So I got the bright idea that we'd go fishing together. So we went fishing about two hours away from Memphis to Enid, Mississippi. And I got him in a boat all by myself, you know, in the middle of the lake. Where's he going to (laughs) go? I got him right where I want him in the middle of this lake, right? And so we're out there bass fishing. And I'm trying to explain, you know, he's asking a few questions. And we came to grace. He said this, I don't get grace. I don't get it. There are no free lunches in my world. Nobody has give, ever given me anything. I have to work for everything I have. Now, if you understand Maurice's background, his daddy was a mean drunk, would beat all three of the boys. Maurice would go to school, couldn't wait for school to start because he would get one good meal a day. He grew up hard. He grew up rough. And he was now a big, tough man and very successful. And everything in Maurice's life, he had earned it. He had earned it. And so when I'm trying to explain grace in Enid, Mississippi, bass fishing, he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my arms around it. It got me really to thinking about grace. And how do we explain grace? How do we anchor our souls into grace? 
Because the Bible talks a lot about receiving mercy. But then it says in this verse, you got to find grace. How do I find it? All I have to do with mercy is receive something. But this, i I got to work for. And if you've noticed, and I said this a week or two ago, in the kingdom of God, it's like the things that we need come to us in cascades and in waves. But that which you really want, you often have to fight for and you have to work for. And so what I want to do for just a couple minutes today is I want to try to explain that there's two major dimensions to grace. And one is passive and one is active. And both are important, but most believers only grab on to the passive side. And that's why most people just kind of repent enough in order to get saved. They don't repent enough to change the course of their life and the trajectory of their future. So first of all, you're familiar with the more passive or or feminine side of grace, and it's great. It's wonderful. Here we go. And you know these verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it's by grace you've been saved. And the point there is you can't save yourself. You can't earn enough brownie points. You can't give away enough money. You can't be a mentor. You can't help old ladies. You can't serve, love. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. And we're all familiar with that, right? Yep. Yep, we got that. We know that. We've heard that. We've heard grace sermons over and over and over again. This is now the passive side of grace. Let me give you one more example of this. No, we believe that it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. Again, the passive side, you can't earn it. And that's where most of us stop. We stop with this side of grace. But there's something about grace that changes your trajectory. There's something about grace that builds the righteousness in you and through you. There's something about grace that gives you boldness. There's something about grace that gives you courage, gives you strength. There's something about grace that says, I've been living this way for 20 years. By golly, by the power of God, I'm going to. And you break out of immorality. and You break out of your values that were just not very good and unhealthy. And there's something about God's grace that says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm going to live for God in a powerful way. There's a, there's a wonderful piece to this passive side of grace. We all have to have it to get to heaven. But there's the active side of grace that helps other people get to heaven. There's an active side of grace that you get to go in and change not only you, but you begin to influence all the people who are around you. And it's this active side of grace. It's this advancement grace that I want to talk about today for just a couple minutes because I don't think you've probably heard this very much in your life. It's taken me 30 years to figure this out. I'm a slow learner, okay? So here we are. Here's now the other side of the coin. Flip the coin over. Not the passive side, but the active side of grace. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace. What does this mean he's full of grace? This isn't passive. This is active. Stephen's going to be tortured. Stephen's out there being persecuted. And Stephen is out there getting it done. He's out there proclaiming and preaching and teaching and boldly. There's a persecution, a widespread persecution. They got scattered, full of God's grace. This means strength. And so again, if if, if you think Christianity is like for weaklings, you've only understood the passive side 
of grace. You've not understood. Here's a man who's going to give his life. And even while he's giving his life and being stoned, he's telling everybody, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And they keep throwing the stones at him. And there's something about this active side of grace that is such a gift. It is such a gift that enables you to change the culture in which you live. He was full of God's strength and power, and he performed great wonders and signs. Now, how do you do that? How, how, do, you show, how do you do miracles if you don't have the power and the strength of God in your life? Here's another example of the active side of grace. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, that's not passive. God took this culture of Syria, and he began to change the culture of Syria. He began to build a church there in Antioch. And he takes a bunch of these men, and these men teach and preach and proclaim the gospel. And this whole country begins to change. I just wish it had stayed that way, don't you? He saw what the power of God had done. Here's another example. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and and urged them to continue in the grace of God. This isn't passive. You're going to maintain your faith when it's illegal. You're going to maintain your faith when you're going to be possibly persecuted and tortured. And not only are you in a struggling culture, but the, the gospel advances. This is what I love about the powerful side of God's grace. The God's grace can advance the gospel in any culture, in any home, any neighborhood, any apartment complex, any school system, any workplace. That's the power of the grace of God. It's not only passive. It's incredibly full of energy and strength. Now, I want to show you a passage out of Romans where the first verse, it's passive, and the second verse, it's active. If you're new to church, don't worry about it if you don't get this, okay? But just hang on. Are, are you with me so far? So far? All right. Here's a section where we see both, both the passive and the active side of grace. This is in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, there's more sin. God's, God's not just merciful. He's withholding from it, but he's, he's going he's to help you with all your sin. So this is a great example of the, of, of the grace of God that we always talk about. We always talk about this part of the grace. But the next verse, grace is going to help you become righteous. The next verse is grace is going to help you become moral. The next verse is, if you don't like your ethics, God's going to help you, change you, transform you, move you to where he wants you to be. This is the power of grace right here. So also, grace might reign through righteousness. The power of God can grow you to righteousness. Now again, most believers kind of repent from something so they get fire insurance. Okay? but not really to something. And the to something is what he's really excited about. The to something is really why you're here today. You're here today because you really want to transform your family and you want to be transformed 
and you want your workplace to be transformed, and you want your housing complex to be transformed, this is why really you're here today, because there is the power of the grace of God to change you, to move you, to motivate you, and to do things in you and through you that you know you can't do on your own. And so this whole passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, really starts with verse 12. He says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's kind of interesting. We've talked a lot about spirit, soul, and body. We've talked about how those are three different components. I'm not going to get distracted with that. But but again, remember, you are three different components. You have a human spirit. You have a human soul. And you obviously have a human body. But the word of God is alive and active. What's the word of God? Well, it's two things. It's one is the scriptures, and second of all, it's Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you refer as a New Testament believer to the Word of God, you've got to kind of say, well, are you talking about the scriptures, or are you talking about Jesus? Because it's both. It's, it's really cool. It, the Word of God is not only the Bible, but it's also Jesus in the Bible. So it's, it's, it's active, it's sharper. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm building up to receiving mercy. He, he's building up to verse 16. And he's trying to help all the people who are trying to cover up their lives and realize that, look, why are you covering up your sins? Why are you covering up your shortcuts? Why are you covering up your, your, your insecurities and all the things that you're not? Why, why, why? And God's going, look, I never had illusions about you in the first place. I knew you weren't that great to begin with. And, and, and so you, you think about who God is. Nothing is hidden. Everything is uncovered. Everything is laid bare. So why would I try to shuck and jive God? Why would I try to pretend? Why wouldn't I daily receive mercy? Why would I pretend? I'm great. I'm great. You good? I'm good. How are you? We're good. Bless you. Look at me. Why why do we do that? It just doesn't make sense, does it? Everything is uncovered, laid bare. Nothing is hidden. And so if you're still trying to work on image management and deceive and all the people in your life and you work with and God and church, and you're never going to go forward. You're never going to make progress. And so the beautiful thing about this, in just a minute, is verse 16 is, receive mercy. It's a gift. Receive it. He never had any illusions about you in the first place. He knew you needed help. So we we receive his mercy. In just a minute, we're going to give you a chance to do that, for you to get all squared away with God. I think this is a good way to start every day. It's probably a great way to start every night before you go to bed. Lord, I just receive your mercy. Man, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I, I just, Lord, I just receive it. I 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 receive your mercy. Therefore, since we have this great high priest, and the word high priest means bridge builder. Jesus is the bridge builder. He built a bridge. From us, where we are, to, to God's cool word, high priest, bridge builder. Say bridge builder. bridge builder. If you learn one thing today, it's bridge builder, right? 
He ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess because we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I love those temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus is really being tempted to turn stones into bread because he was hungry. And Satan's trying to get him to take a shortcut. Just take, just take a shortcut. And then we see the, the, other, the other temptation. There's, there's two more, but the one I really like is if you'll just f- fall down and worship me, you know, all the kingdoms of the world, I will give to you. I will give you all the kingdoms if you'll just bow down and worship me. And he's asking Jesus to take a shortcut. Jesus, the cross is going to hurt. The cross is going to be painful. You don't want to go to the cross. You don't want the nails. You don't want the spikes. You don't want the humiliation. You don't want people spitting on you. All you got to do is take a shortcut. Just bow down. And all Lucifer wanted was to be worshipped. Lucifer is a created archangel. He's on the same plane with Michael and with Gabriel. Don't make him bigger than he is. And all Lucifer wants is to be worshipped. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to bow down and worship you. We have a high priest who never sinned. I don't get that, do you? That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so he says then, that's the wind-up, and here's the pitch. It's our, our verse. Well, let's approach God's throne. Let's approach God's throne. Let's come to God's throne. What, what are we going to do at the throne? Well, we come with confidence. So we get to go confident. How can I go with confidence into God's throne? Do you know what I've done? Do you know my mistakes? Do you know what I've said? Yeah, I do. That's why the blood of Jesus just covers you of all your past, present, and future sins. And so you come into the throne room of God. You don't really strut in there. You're not cocky in there. You're coming in there with just awe and, and, and incredible humility. And in that throne room of God, I, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive all the mercy. But man, do I need it. Boy, do I want it. I'm overwhelmed by it. I receive. I receive your mercy. But I'm in the throne room to find grace. Because my family depends upon I'm in the throne room to find grace because my business depends upon it. I'm in the throne room to find grace because I know that I'm not the man or the woman or the son or the daughter that I can be, and I know that God can make me what I could never dream of. I'm in the throne room to find help because i got a time of need. And whatever your need is, whatever your needs are, whether it's for freedom or for acceptance or for energy or for health or for strength, whatever your needs are, you go to the throne room with confidence because you've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And in that throne room, I receive mercy. I receive it. I'm going to receive it. It's too good to be true, but it's too great to pass up. I receive the mercy. But here's the active side of grace. I leave different. If all you do when you go to the throne room is, well, let me put it this way. If you go into the throne room and you come out of the throne room the exact same way, all you did was
was go in and complain. You didn't come out to be transformed. You go into the throne room not to just complain. You go into the throne room to be transformed. And Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm here to be your daughter. I'm here to be your son. And so you fight. You fight for that part of grace. You know, it's why as teachers we're always saying, read your Bibles. Why are we always saying read your Bibles? Because it's how you fight. But why are we always saying, learn to pray, learn to pray, learn to pray? I, I get so tired of saying that. But the connection is so you can fight, so you can fight, so you can fight. Why do we encourage you to learn about fasting? Why do we do connect groups? Why are we having Kirk Cameron come? It, it, it's tools to help you to fight, to fight, to fight. There is an active side of grace that's absolutely phenomenal. But again, the things that you need for the kingdom of God, they kind of just come to you. But those things that you really want, you've got to go into the throne room and you've got to find it, find it, find it, fight, 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 grow, 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 and become all the things that you, you can be. Let me say it this way. I want to be really polite. But if, if, like, these are the only scriptures that you've had in the last seven days, in other words, if you've not cracked open your Bible or version or whatever on your phone, if, you, if you've not done that in the last, last seven days, you're not fighting. You're, you're not even in the game. If, if the only time when you pray is when we pray here corporately, you're not even in the stadium. God has a dream for you. And the first dream is that you would get saved. And the first dream is that your sins would be forgiven. And the first dream is that his Holy Spirit would come inside of you. That's dream number one. But the rest of your life, he dreams that you will be his hands and feet. He dreams that you will be his son and daughter. He dreams that you will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And you will become the woman, the man of God that he's destined you to be. God has a bigger dream for you than you could ever dream or or ever imagine. And, And so... I, I love this verse. I think you need to screenshot it. This needs to be a verse, you know, on your phone. It needs to be a verse on your refrigerator, whatever. But this is a verse you need to commit to memory. Because we approach the throne of grace with confidence. And in that throne of grace, we receive mercy. I receive it. That's why, that's why I can come in. I can't even come in if I haven't received mercy. But while I'm there, because I got, I, help me in my time of needs stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. What do you really want? You have access to the God of heaven. So let's stand. Let's have our prayer partners come down front. And this is the day for you to give your life to Christ. 
this is the day for you to receive mercy. This is the day for you to start finding grace, growing, getting stronger, breakthroughs, breakouts. This is your season and your opportunity. And, and that's, that's why you're here. And that's why all those people are out there in the lobby right now. You're out there too. Sorry you didn't get a seat. Should have come earlier. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We celebrate the incredible gifts of mercy and grace. And we embrace them. And they are two different commodities, two different tools of the Christian faith. Lord, we receive your mercy. We receive your mercy. Oh, we receive your mercy. And, and we've come to find that strength that we need to move away from people we need to move away from. That strength to go toward people that we need to have conversations with. We've come to find strength to stop going to certain places and start going to other places. We've come to find strength to have breakouts so that we can be your sons and daughters. We worship you, Jesus. We come boldly. We come boldly to your throne of grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.